Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am Cornet, and I'm going to start saying this because uh, apparently Tarek is some people's favorite, and we need to change that. I, uh, I am. <laughs> I'm joined by Garrett. Hello, everybody. And Tarek. Hello, everybody. Oh, that was perfect. Back on the voice. We've missed yes. that last couple of shows. <laughs> it has been been. Uh, it was painful that it was missing. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to have hurt you. No, no, it's, it's fixed now. It's back. We sorted. So uh, we were going to do a show about uh, something specific tonight, but uh, we have decided that because we're back to shooting and competing and training and all the good stuff, um, to rather do a recap of what have we been doing with guns um, in the last, probably the last week, but perhaps the last couple of weeks uh, as we're, we're getting back into the swing of things. Um, one thing I want to mention before we get into this, and I'm not going to mention his name, uh, there is a video floating around about a guy in Florida who stopped a kidnapping. Awesome display of BJJ. Awesome display of uh, situational awareness. Um, again, we're not going to say his name, but good job, dude. And uh, the people who haven't seen that video, maybe go and, go and find it. Florida kidnapping. Um, fantastic situational awareness. Good job. So, uh, T, guys, you guys want to get us rolling into this with uh, your recent match? Yeah, so um, last week, Saturday, Tarek and I shot our first match since we had our induced lockdown uh, at Vector Shooting Club. Had a nice nice club shoot there. Um, I really enjoyed the match, and it was nice to actually compete again. You sort of, you lose that feeling, and uh, it dissipates to a point where you're not sure what it feels like anymore. And, and going back into the competition last week was really, really nice. Um, I forgot how addicted I am to competing. So that, that was a, a nice change of pace from the practicing and that, that I've been doing. Um, because of the lack of matches, I actually went into the match with a bit of anxiety and nerves because we haven't been shooting any matches, um, which was also nice to experience. And it was nice to, to actually be able to manage that through how I was thinking and those kinds of things onto the, onto the match. So that was nice. I don't know what you found, T. Yeah, I mean, this was my first match of any sort since uh, March Nationals. And uh, my motivation going into it was pretty low. Uh, as in, it was one of those mornings where I was, do I really want to do this? And what I found for me was it actually, it, it kind of helped me focus on the process and not the result because I wasn't expecting that much, you know, I, I hadn't done much prep. I'd hardly touched that gun. Uh, so it was, uh, but it was, yeah, it kind of reminded me why I love IPC so much. Sadly, Garrett didn't, you know, we weren't good enough for Garrett to squad with. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, us, us poor sort of, you know, surfs had to go shoot on our own without uh, gas and sash so uh for for the guys who don't know uh because they've been not saying it uh they both won their respective divisions um quite decisively as i recall uh just fantastic for your first match back and uh i didn't shoot the match but i believe there was some interesting target arrays i believe there was some 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 distant stuff uh which is it was a bloody good match. Um, the stages, I was, I, I, it was a nice row of stages. There were some stage four. We had 
some 25 meter poppers and a 25 meter board stage one i'm guessing we had like a 35 meter board and a couple of 35 meter poppers on the back left there guys yeah pretty pretty close to that uh and then we had some sort of close range fast and furious stuff as well uh, it was yeah, nice, it was actually it was a nicely balanced match yeah that's what i was just going to say the balance was really good it tested a whole it probably tested all of our skills for sure mm. Because there were also partials and that sort of stuff mixed in, uh, which was nice. It wasn't like a change of pace of let's just ease back into the matches sort of thing attitude. It was we're here to shoot our PSC and that's what we're going to shoot, which was also very nice. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we, had awesome. a, we had a, uh, an empty gun stage. Uh, yeah, there was, there was some interesting movement. Uh, I think the only thing the guys were really sort of careful about was there wasn't anything sort of too close to the 90, which probably wasn't a bad idea. But yeah, it was it was a jaw. I mean, I, I had a really so, so now we're looking for the next set of matches. Yeah. So we're still on level ones only, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just club shoots. Okay, so but we, now Courtney, a couple of weeks ago you also shot a, a match, didn't you? I did. I shot the very first handgun match that came up after uh, sort of Ipsy got the go ahead to actually shoot um not my finest moment um, <laughs> um i was pretty fast you can't play that on here t-bag they will yank the episode i'm not kidding <laughs> Tarek desperately wants to play us some miley and like i'm right there with him but like we'll get knocked down if we do that we, you guys won't be able to hear the, the episode um, I was I was reasonably quick, uh, not, maybe not as fast as I, as I used to be when I shot a little bit more, uh, but I was reasonably quick, uh, but I lacked a little bit of, of visual patience. So uh, on, on relatively close stuff, I was fine. Uh, on steel, I was perfect. Uh, targets with a little bit of distance uh, or, or, or uh, partial targets, I struggled. Um, I was still pretty fast, but I was probably way too fast. And as a result, I, I didn't shoot any no shoots, I don't think, but I, I shot quite a few mics. Uh, so just nudging over just a little bit too far to avoid the, the, the no shoot and ending up shooting past the target on the side. Uh, quite a bit of that. Um, some equipment issue uh, issues. Um, well, they shouldn't really be called issues. They should be called corn issues. Uh, on the very first stage, I uh, realized that my magwell wasn't fitted properly. Um, and I realized that by smashing a finger between a magwell and a, uh, and a magazine, trying to seat a thing that didn't want to seat. Um, sorry, Corn, I'm just going to interrupt you briefly. Are you saying, and, and I'm struggling to believe this, I'm glad I'm sitting down, that there was a problem with the 1911? There wasn't. The gun ran fucking uh, perfectly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you lost a finger. You can only count to nine and a half now. Dude, I'm a fucking <laughs> nine computer. We were built tough. What I did was I bled over everything, but I still fucking shot. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind is because he shoots nine, well, he's actually got nine and three quarter fingers. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not even a real 1911. <laughs> It's like it's like a three-quarter scale model. Which which nineteen eleven were you shooting when you were shooting classic? Uh, I was I was also shooting a girl's one. 
There we go. Okay, as long as we were all shooting goals, guns, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> no one else shoot, shot uh, classic at that match, um, so there wasn't really a gauge of uh, of how I did. So you also won your first match back. Yes, but I won it by absolute default, so that doesn't hey, count. Hey. A win's a win, wins dude. A win, huh? It doesn't fucking count. If you're the only default, dude who shows up in the default, division, it doesn't count. Default, like, default. <laughs> it's only a revolver that doesn't count because no one gives a fuck about revolver. In Ipsic, we'll we'll clarify. In Ipsic, there are other places no, where no, in the world. Revolver is shooting grizzly. That's not for sport. Revolvers are cool, just not for sport. They're pretty. Well, probably, it's Pete saying that it's for. Yeah. To be honest, if I, if I... I love Pete, but he's wrong. <laughs> you were saying, guys? Yeah, I've got like a weird thing where I would actually like to try revolving competition because it's uh, like, because of that, that okay. discipline, if you want to call it that, it's quite fundamentals heavy, which yes, attracts gentlemen, me. That this may be the last episode of the show. <laughs> now that the body snatchers have invaded Earth, in future, and taken over gas running wars <laughs> with the body snatchers. So, watch out for these. It is okay. Uh, I've got a 1911. I will win. Oh, fuck, we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yes. uh, yeah. I don't think but, it's something I'll ever do, but it is something that interests me. Well, you know uh, what? If you come and play a fishing vest, then you don't have to like interfere with your IPSC and you can shoot revolver. Yeah, that's 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 probably a pretty good idea. I think you're onto something, T. We're gonna have to fix this. But once I get those licensed, I can even loan you a revolver. I'll come and shoot it with you, and uh, like we can we can do some interesting things. Mm. T. Are you are you down for that? I am down with it. Awesome. What's up? Nice. Look out in the I'm future. Have to shoot Ipsic with a revolver because, like, <laughs> I have a small modicum of self-respect. <laughs> so sometime in the future the uh, Welcome to Gun Show team will be coming to a range near you shooting wheel guns hmm. we shall see how yeah. that goes <laughs> that'll be fun badly very very badly <laughs> this, is, this is like the perfect opportunity to find a 340 PD and hot ammo 340 PD and then we can get Gaz to shoot that at the match so I'll shoot like a like a big heavy frame, an in frame, with like really light thirty eight specials, and we'll give Gaz a three forty PD with like really hot three five seven mag. It's okay, Snappy is my middle name. <laughs> That's Snappy on a whole fucking new level, dude. <laughs> it's Snappy, and then there is a. Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> yeah, it's it's every dude on the planet who's ever owned a three forty PD. Has shot really hot 357 mag through it once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah once. Yeah. Just once. Most, not most, not, most not one cylinder. Most, once. Yeah. <laughs> once. I think most of those scandium and, and titanium 357 magnum J frames, like next to the gun, there's a box of 357 ammo. And depending on how many shooting friends the dude has, that's how many rounds are missing from the box. If he's yep. got four shooting friends, there's five rounds missing because he shot one. Because he shot. He's got two. There's three rounds missing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's next level unpleasant. That. <laughs> so if I we mean, jump back to your cool, match, but... yeah, no, very cool. Uh, if we jump back to your match, Horn, you mentioned that you had a couple of problems. Have you come up with solutions for those? Oh yeah, um, I just uh, 
pulled the magwell off, um, adjusted it slightly, stuck it back on, um, did a bit of dry fire with it, and it's sorted. I've since shot it, and uh, no, no more problems. Uh, there is, with that magwell, there is a, uh, so it pins in through the, uh, the main spring housing pin, but it also has a screw on the bottom that you use to adjust the magwell up until it's sort of parallel with the, uh, the bottom of the frame. Yes, that's oh, it. Did you, did you forget the... I didn't forget the, it. I didn't forget it. I think what I did was I didn't move the magwell into the right place and then tighten it down. I think it was on there and I just tightened it down. So it ended up being, I think, slightly lowered from the, the actual gun magwell. And what that did is it catches the the front portion of that over insertion stop on the um, on the Wilson mags, and I tried to seat the mag. It wasn't an empty start, I don't think, but I tried to seat the mag. Oh no, I'm lying. I started with a different mag. I started with a different mag, so it would seat, rack the gun, shot the first half of the stage, tried to do a reload to a Wilson mag. It wouldn't go in, and then I Hulk smashed it. That's where my finger got uh, obliterated. Modified. Um, so I think after that, I shot um, not Wilson mags for the rest of the day. <laughs> I'm not oh, Wilson mags. With my bandaged up finger. And uh, said, got home, pulled that off, um, adjusted a little bit, stuck it back on, problem solved. Um, so this was a lesson in the 7P principle. Proper preparation and planning prevents piss poor performance. I wonder why I didn't have that magwell on the gun. <laughs> I don't know. Why not? I wonder why, Terry. Why did I not have that magwell? Why did I stick that magwell on the gun as I was uh, leaving to go to this match? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a conversation for you two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, there, there, there could have been a little bit better preparation there. Um, I should have dry fired that gun with the change in magwell before I went to go shoot that match. There, there ended up not being time. Um, and I think because I was shooting that gun with skinny grips and no magwell um, for a, a little bit recently, um, the fingers getting in the way of magwell and getting crushed by a magazine was uh, just inattention and a change in equipment. Mm. It happens. It'll probably happen again at some point in the future. Um, yeah. Carry plasters in your car. It's important because when you're bleeding all over everything, the whole match is unpleasant for everyone who's scared of their owner. So, <laughs> tourniquet on your neck. <laughs> I tried that. I just couldn't pull it tight enough myself. Ah, should have called us. We would have helped. No, no, social distancing. <laughs> you can't come within two meters. <laughs> the medical emergency. Yes. But, but for the record, you did finish high classic for the match. I did. Yes. You I did. You had a match win. And not just that, not, not only that I have a match win and I finished high classic, okay? I also beat my closest competitor by 100%. That's Fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I do believe, though, you were also lost in classic. I was, nice. but I still beat I my nearest competitor by 100%. <laughs> All around, that's a pretty good performance. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do the classic thing where, where people who can't shoot go, I wasn't there to compete against others. I was just there for myself. I, I'm, I'm, I'm measuring against myself. 
despite the fact that I will never shoot that match again as a result that fire measurement is invalid, but just me and... There's no place for science in that art. <laughs> there really isn't. <laughs> uh, I was shooting against myself and lost. I mean, <laughs> that takes some skill, so... <laughs> so, getting, getting back to being vaguely serious, because I have been in the sun the whole day. Um, did you, did either of you notice things that have like sort of slipped in your game? Uh, like were the specific things in your game that you'd noticed slipped? Because I, I had a couple, so I'm curious. Yep. I mentioned a little bit ago that uh, I was too fast on partials, yet too cautious. So I was shooting really rapidly but I was aiming way too far out of the no shoots. Uh, and as a result, I ate a couple of mics. Um, what I also had was a horrific stage performance on a stage with a turn and draw. Um, the turn and draw really did not go well. And uh, after the turn and draw didn't go well, I decided to smash targets that were um, relative distance away for the pace at which I tried to shoot them. Uh, so you try to make that time back, basically. I, I absolutely thought, well, I, I know that I can't, but my brain said, you're behind, smash. Hmm. And uh, that, that punished me quite significantly. Um, I think those were the only two things, really, but it, it wasn't a very technical match. Um, and there wasn't a lot of movement. So that's the, that's the only things that I, I really had difficulty with for that particular match. I think that if I shot a, an eight-stage match with more movement and more target difficulty, not, not just in terms of partials, but more target distance, like those 35 meter shots you were talking about earlier. Uh, I may have struggled even more. Um, and I think that's just a, it's not really a lack of fundamentals because I'd done some fundamentals work leading up to that. Uh, I, I think it's just a, a, a lack of match fitness. Um, the, the, uh, the, the gearing in the brain is off. Um, how fast do you think you can go versus how fast you can actually go after like six or seven months of not competing? So the interesting thing that you, you sort of bring up that match fitness thing, that was something that came up for me as well, which was weird because I've been going to gym and I'm still active with work and those kinds of things. But when the day dragged on a bit last week, Saturday, my lower back started to get a little bit sore and my calves were sore. Uh, my feet didn't really hurt, but I noticed things that I didn't normally feel or I, I wasn't used to feeling anymore when I was shooting a lot of matches. So match fitness does play a role in that. Um, yeah. Even though I've been going to gym in that. The, the things that I found that sort of needed work while I was at the match was just a little bit more visual patience, especially on poppers for some reason. Steel plates were fine, but poppers needed a little bit more visual patience. Like I was trying to outshoot them. Other than that, I was very happy with all of my mechanical skills and that sort of stuff was all still there. And I think one of the key factors was because I was a little bit anxious of this match before or ahead of the time, I was able to prepare and counter that before the match happened. So I didn't have to deal with that anxiety at the match either. I could just shoot my match. Yeah. I think something that's important to, to pick up on there is um, despite the fact that you're training, uh, going to gym or, or, or jogging or, or whatever people do, um, you're using different muscles in different ways when you go to a match. And I don't just mean in the actual stages, but the fact that you're standing the whole day, um, you're probably doing, if you're shooting steel, 
you're doing probably quite a bit of bending over and picking up a, a relatively heavy item, a repetitive tasks. Um, that's not really the, the same sort of work that you do when you're in the gym or training otherwise, which is, I suspect that those who haven't seen a downturn in their match performance because they haven't shot a match yet, will see it for those exact same reasons. Just no longer used to it. It'll take a couple of matches to, to get back up to speed. Yeah, so so one of the things is I didn't notice I didn't have any sort of lack in performance because of it, but I knew that it was there. Uh, yep. So that's something to keep in mind. And I was ROing most of the day as well. I don't know about you, T, which also contributes yeah. because you're constantly oh. walking with shooters. You're walking on the range to score. You're literally always busy walking around. Um, I, I don't know if that that was pretty much the same thing for you, T. Yeah, I mean, I I think I did fifteen thousand steps or something. Uh, nice. Uh, range fit is, is is a definite thing, especially as it's, as it's heating up in that. So we've got the African sun and and a lot less time. You know, six months without really being in the sun like we used to. Um, I definitely noticed that. You know, I I, I was the RO for our squad, so uh, there was lots of running around with that. Um, it was interesting for me. I, my my speed and accuracy, weirdly enough, didn't seem to suffer at all. Um, I was happy with my draws. I was happy with my, you know, my splits, my transitions. I shot one delta for the match, and it was a stupid one. I had two stages with, with like, I mean, I think quickest time in the division and, and time pretty close to yours with, with no points down. Uh, my reloads were dog shit. Um, every time I had to reload the gun, it looked like I had never reloaded a pistol in my life before, which was a bit odd. And what was interesting is my stage planning took a knock. Uh, I made st- stage one, and you didn't have to be there, but, but stage one was a stage where Gaz took two seconds off everyone simply by having a logical stage plan. It, I, I kind of missed a massive um, obvious thing in a stage and ended up running the same sort of 10 meter strip twice, uh, which is just stupid and, and something I know better than. And, and no one in our squad spotted the stupidity in the plan. Uh, and I think that was just that kind of part of your brain that the plan sort of slightly more complicated stages is just not sparking as well at the moment. So that was, that was an interesting thing to me. You know, so I'd like to, yeah. sorry to I'd like to pick up on that one um, because I had a similar experience. Again, it wasn't a massively technical match. And I think the first three stages we shot, had um, there was one stage plan that could possibly work and be quick. And that was it. Like this is the stage plan. Um, but I think our last stage, I think it was the last stage, maybe it was the second last stage had a little bit more complication to it um, simply because of the, uh, the number of shooting positions uh, and a forced start position. Um and my first, we, we got a little bit more walkthrough time than we technically should have because people were trying to get themselves organized and, and stuff. Um, but my first probably three walkthroughs was literally copying someone else. Literally. And it's like, I'm shooting classic, he's shooting open. Okay, I wasn't, I wasn't copying his reloading positions, but I was, I was, I was copying his, his, his positions and his shooting order. And uh, on my fourth sort of starting to walk through, I was like, Holy shit. I shoot this the opposite way around to what everyone else is doing with their high cap guns. Um, I stop at less positions. 
I can shoot on the move and I optimize my reloading plan. But it took me four walkthroughs to get to that, um, where I, I, I used to be relatively good at spotting relatively good classic plans in stages, um, where here I was just, I was just copying, which is, which is bad when you're shooting a division that is so far removed from all the others. So definitely saw that so too. So that's also a good thing because you'll probably find now that you had that learning experience at that match, you'll go, you'll, you'll jump much closer to where you were before we last shot our match six months ago, whatever the case was that jump from where you are now to back to where you were just before the lockdown, you'll probably find will come back very quickly. It's not going to be that whole learning process again when you first start shooting. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a relearning process, but I think it's going to require a little bit of jogging the memory on, uh, on, on how classic actually works mm. uh, uh, and, and move, doesn't work. Put new bullets in the gun. Uh, yes. If you're not moving, put new bullets in the gun. Yes. <laughs> But preferably while you're doing the, the, the not moving put bullets in the gun and moving put bullets in the gun, preferably follow an optimal movement plan while you're doing... I mean, classic is not, classic's not about shooting. Shooting's a byproduct. It's about reloading. Exactly. <laughs> classic is a division where reloading is the fun and occasionally you have to shoot bullets so that you get to reload your gun. Exactly. And the thing is that, that when classic was set up, we were trying to get them to do like one round magazines. <laughs> but everyone looked at us like we were like, you know, special. And we said, okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll load the things to eight or 10 rounds, depending on the, and just to keep everyone else happy. So the stage I mean, plan as much is- as I give you shit, I do enjoy shooting clips. I think it's awesome. Sorry, oh, no, they are. They're good fun. Um, if we go back to sort of the stage planning thing and the walkthroughs, um, what, what I was happy with from my, my side was I didn't take many walkthroughs and I think it was because I was ROing. I'd walk a stage maybe once or twice and then I would start working on memorizing it and then visualizing it much like I, the way I used to, which I think helped a little bit in the performance because I wasn't just walking the stage all the time and looping it. I'm not sure what you guys did in your squad T, but we sort of stuck to a, a time limit on, on our walkthroughs. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we try to behave. Um, interesting observation with, with our squad is one of the shooters in the squad, and I'm not going to mention his name, really, really good shooter, got completely in his own head. Uh, he was he was like sort of super, I mean, he was so focused on a walkthrough that when I tried to shoot him in the leg with a staple gun, he didn't. Um, and in situational side, awareness. Obviously. Um, and, and then it, it was, you know, so it was like these super focused walkthroughs, all the walkthroughs he could get. Then, you know, that, that sort of, and it's always struck me as a bit of a very USPSA thing of, of we load the gun and we stand with our hand on the gun and then we kind of like mime shooting through the stage 15 more times and then we shoot the stage and it was, it was not it, it was one of the worst performances i've seen out of him um and not i think because his skill had deteriorated he was shooting well he got in his own head uh, he was so busy like he was so busy visualizing that he just kind of well not visualizing i don't think the visualization was a problem um, he just, he kind of, he blew himself out the water and, and ended up making stupid mistakes. Uh, it, it was, a, it was an interesting thing to see. It was sort of a, a self to wind up. I mean, besides that job, the squad was, you know, we took our five minutes, we did our walkthrough. It was small squads. So like it was a, it was a hard, it was a pretty hard day. You know, there was no, none of this 
you you're two shooters down so you uh you know you get to kind of step one side and start getting ready and then you get mm. to clean your mags and you know as ro i was i was running you know most stages i was kind of running it when when i the shooter before me i'd run them through then hand the timer over do a quick sort of you know quick final walk through shoot the stage which was i think it, it was it was a good sort of match practice thing as well just that sort of like having to kind of switch it on and off really quickly good job i mean it's great yeah. to get out there you know it's great to shoot about yeah i'm glad you came out t and you didn't stay at home uh yeah, interesting but, thing uh with the smaller squads and ROing, like Tarek was saying it is quite a bit more difficult because there's none of that breathing space that we used to with like a um 10 people in a squad or something like that where it's easier to manage. I think now we were probably between six and eight in a squad, uh, depending on the squad. And if we go back to the the guy in your squad who had some issues, I think it's important that we sort of address it because it's something that probably other guys are also going to have issues with getting back into matches. It's because none of us have been shooting matches for so many months, we've lost that match momentum where we're rolling over matches and we get used to shooting matches. We're now at a point where we can't trust what we were doing or we feel like we can't trust what we were doing and that leads to overtrying. So if you revert back to where you were and you start thinking about what you were doing in matches before the lockdown, you should be able to continue in that stride and get back into the rolling matches without having to overtry. Overtrying is never going to do any justice. I've been there, done that. I, I, I think, you know, it's something like, I don't think we've discussed in the show, but something we've discussed before. Match practice is a thing. You know, there's yep. pra- practice is a thing, but match practice is, is, is a valuable thing. You know, that, that time spent at matches and, and because of the, all the other shit, you know, you, you go practice and you, you get to work on skills and all of that and matches where you chatting to people, resetting stages, ROing, picking up steel, picking up brass, whatever. Uh, it, it, it's a different thing. And, th- and then, you know, that sort of, here's a stage. Uh, make a plan, shoot the stage. Uh, and it's, especially if you're taking the approach, I think we all try and do of, of treating a, a level one like it's a world shoot as opposed to, you know, oh, it's just a club shoot, I don't care. Um, so you, you, you're hitting the stage like you give a fuck. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's something that I think has lacked for a lot of us. I, I noticed with a couple of shooters, I think a few shooters, um, they, it's a, it's hard to describe. They, they kind of, they, they, mem- they remember the things they could do six months ago and then six months with no practice, they couldn't quite get it done. You know, it's kind of like, you, you know, you used to be a fantastic boxer or whatever and you haven't picked up gloves in 20 years and you jump back in the ring. You, you might still be great, but you're not what you were 20 years ago. Um, so I, th- I think that'll come. That's just a rust thing. I think that's just... Uh, yeah. But most of our squad actually shot surprisingly well uh, considering match. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh, do we know if uh, there are any uh, matches coming up for other disciplines? So any shotgun, rifle, PCC? Hector holding a shotgun rifle match. I think they are, but I, I, I don't actually know for for sure. Um, I, I was just check. I was just curious because I I know quite a few clubs have started up and and are doing handgun stuff now. But uh, 
I haven't seen anyone mention uh, other disciplines yet. I mean, I the fact I that I haven't seen it doesn't mean that they're not doing it. I just haven't seen it. I think White River, MPSA, somewhere in Pumalanga, are running a shotgun match next Saturday. Okay. Um, so I can't go sadly. Okay, so guys have started up other disciplines too. Even though that was a little bit... Uh, they're not bloody serious about their shotgun though. Yeah, they're... There is a shotgun and rifle club shoot at Victor this month on the 26th. Okay. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorry, responsibly harvesting. In 13 <laughs> days. So the matches, I think, are going to pick up nicely. If I'm not mistaken, there might be a handgun club shoot at Golden City next week, Saturday. I'm not sure what the date is. Yeah, I think next week, Saturday, Sunday. Yes. Uh which would be the 19th and 20th, if I'm I not mistaken, is a handgun. We're not busy on the Sunday. Maybe we can try and get out there, yeah. provided that there's space, because space is a problem at the moment. Um, I don't know if clubs are prioritizing members over visitors or not. I don't know. Uh, I think some clubs will uh, be prioritizing members over visitors, uh, and then probably whatever's left over can go to visitors. Slot if twice. they're running their normal two-day format, though, I think they should be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They, Hope so. They generally run a regular day. Yep, they do. I think we might be check out. So we'll have a look. Hopefully, all of us have time on that day to go and uh, and do some gun stuff. That'll be good. We'll see. Yeah, so we'd, we'll we'll check Sunday and see if uh, if that works. Um, depending on how uh, how how. Uh, taxing your training day is well i'm old and broken so <laughs> so we'll see well, you on I, sunday I, I didn't want to say it that way which is why i said taxing <laughs> <laughs> it was very well put i must admit Corn. well it took me three minutes to dream that up so <laughs> i mean i'm gonna have to cut out a lot of uh uh, uh before i actually said that <laughs> now you you've gone through some interesting gear ex- uh learning experience experiences at the moment corn do you want to walk us through what you've gone through and and those kinds of things yeah sure um i've had some work done on on two of my guns um they came back and and both needed a little bit of attention after after coming back from from the work um the uh the one gun would no longer feed or eject uh, some of the uh, the ammo that I used to shoot through it, um, I suspect. Well, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, I had to do some work on the extractor to get that to to run properly again. Uh, it took me quite a bit of testing at home and two separate range visits to get that particular problem sorted to a point where I'm happy with it, where the gun will feed consistently, but also extract consistently and. Uh, being a 1911, I finally got this one back to a point where I can have around the chamber, drop the magazine, rack the gun, and still have the round ejecting out the top of the ejection board, not falling down through the uh, through the magwell. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So in addition to that, um, I I had some problems on my last range visit with that, trying to test it. Derek, don't say it. I will mute you. <laughs> a 1911 giving problems. Hashtag. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Where's the mute button? <laughs> Where's the hashtag unpossible button? Uh, hashtag unpossible. Um, I had some issues with light strikes uh, or failure to ignite. 
Uh, that turned out to be an over-travel screw that was just in a little bit too far. Um, Sorry. That's off. <laughs> that, that is, that is uh, officially fixed. Uh, that's the first time Cornet's ever had a screw in too far. <laughs> it, is, it is actually not. It is actually not. I think it's the third. <laughs> All of them were from guns, though. Um, and then the, the, the other firearm came back with just a little bit too little um, trigger spring set up in the leaf. Uh, so it would shoot just fine, but the trigger was really sluggish in, in resetting. So simple little bendy trick and that was sorted. Um, went to go zero that, that was really, really good. Um, and I had new sights fitted to that. Uh, that was really good, just out the box. I had to adjust um, elevation quite a bit. Windage was perfect at, at 25. A um, little bit of a, of a learning curve going to the, the, the new sites on my, uh, on my carry gun. Uh, so I've gone to, to Trigicon HDs on that. Uh, I've been running HDXRs on the Glock for a couple of years, uh, but the HDs are fat bloody sites. Uh, there's there's P-H-A-T. literally no P H A T fat. Yes, fat. Uh they might even be thick. Thick. <laughs> <laughs> uh there, there is no light on, on on either side of the front side when you have it properly aligned, which is which is proving to be interesting to get used to. Shoot it just it's fine. Like- um you can be pretty aggressive with it relatively up close because you've got a massive dot that you can just like you see that yellow you can just send it um i think on on further shots i haven't shot this past 22 meters uh, i think further than that it's probably going to start getting a little bit challenging uh, i would to, imagine that it's fairly it, it's already fairly challenging at roughly 20 meters because that 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 reference to how your sights are actually aligned can be a little bit obscured with how thick they are exactly um, so not only are you obscuring quite a bit of the, the, the target with how thick the sights are, but I'm used to having just, just a smidge of light past the front sights on each side, uh, that allows you to, uh, so, so you can check the relative, uh, windage on the target and not just the, the elevation with the, the top blade reference. Yes, Terry, Terry, us a red I dot. see that red dot. <laughs> you see that, that's an 8MOA dot. Yeah, it's, it's a bit it's big. It's about half the width of the front sight on that. No, 8MOA is a bit big. I read, I read on the internet that if you don't have a 1MOA RMR, you're doing it wrong. Have they released half MOA yet? No, but they're probably working on it because <laughs> you know how accurate I can be with that at three meters. <laughs> <laughs> so, T, I've noticed your reference to the red dots. Can I come shoot PO? No, you should no. it. was worth a try. Well, if I put a red dot on my standard gun, then every match I can get bumped to open. <laughs> okay, you can, you can do that. <laughs> how about we just build you an open gun? Uh, rather? That, that yeah, seems way we need more to sensible. Do that. Way more sensible than, than the alternatives. 17L, yeah. thread and extend the barrel. We do have to build one. 17L and extend the barrel. Yes. Holy six inches is just not enough. Oh, that's going to be one big bloody gun. <laughs> Who would that be, though? That would be awesome. That is 
you put some ports in the in the barrel on the on the cutout. I mean, it probably won't last that much time or major, but you know, totally worth it. Yeah, Sacrifices yeah. have to be made for greatness. <laughs> Jackie would be so proud. I know. <laughs> so yeah, the uh, the the gun testing was was interesting. Uh, I really enjoy working on the guns, and when I'm not dependent that's a on good them. thing seeing as you shoot nice eleven. sorry exactly but when i'm not dependent on them i don't mind working on them i really enjoy it uh i, I find it frustrating when it's like my primary match gun that needs to be worked on uh, because i want to use it i don't want to be fiddling with it um mm. i'm just really happy to be back to carrying in 1911 oh that's good look at that smile Derek. that, that is one uh, big smile looks like a grimace from here <laughs> I was going to say um, it's quite a pretty small. I just, I'm trying to work out how you got to the range and from the range so quickly on your horse. Because, I mean, that's <laughs> a long trip and, and you were home pretty quickly by horseback. I know, but I mean, I live in the dark ages where there are no rules about shooting guns in your garden. Oh. Okay. Uh, For those who do not know, that is a joke. <laughs> not discharge firearms in built up areas. You will go to prison. Don't do it. I never mind that joke. I met your wife. She would for you. Oh yeah. No, the, the police wouldn't get here in time to lock me up. <laughs> <laughs> they would show up in time to go. We need that meat van. <laughs> yeah. cool. I won't survive that. Uh, I definitely won't survive that. Where did Gaz go? I don't know. He disappeared. He just disappeared. Garrett John Evans. Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, see the problem Garrett, is because he's using he's using headphones, so he can't hear us. Even though Sash has like the best ears in the world and she could probably hear that. Yeah, I hear hearing scary. Um hello, welcome back, Garrett. Hello. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so Gaz, um tell us a little bit about the training you've been doing uh over the last sort of week or so. Okay, so What's going on. Over the, the, this week, I only got out to live fire once as opposed to my normal two. I just had other work commitments that I needed to get done, which messed with the routine a bit. But the one live fire session that I got out to was to work on that visual patience that I spoke about at the club shoot from the, the previous weekend. So um, most, I had a setup with two simulated steel targets and the simulation just comes from uh paper plates that we typically get at a bright because then we don't have that ding feedback and um, two partial targets one was probably about 10 or 12 meters away but fairly tight I maybe had about 25 to 30 percent of the alpha and then 30 meters I had another partial where I had probably 50 percent of the a zone available and I worked that the entire morning that I was practicing just working on that visual patience and what was really cool was that I was quite impressed with my cold runs, how well that partial at 30 meters went. Because when I was setting it up and I was looking, standing at the target, stapling it up, I'm like, okay, this is cool. No problem. When I put it at 30 meters and I looked at it, I'm like, mm, that looks quite tight. But we're going to shoot it anyway. Let's see how it goes. And I was quite happy with how the cold runs went, uh, which means that I was more than capable enough of shooting that in sort of like a, a match mode or match environment. And that opened up the opportunity for me to try and push the limits a little bit more on that target, which was nice and interesting. So that, that was a nice thing that if you set up something that looks too difficult, try it with an open mind 
and see what your results are from it. And that will tell you which way you can go. Either, okay, I need to work on it some more to the point where I can consistently hit that partial at 30 meters or I'm already hitting that partial consistently at 30 meters. Let's put the gas down and see what we get. Let's try and find what that limit could be, which was really nice. So there is a video on, uh, on gas competition shooter uh, on, on Facebook that you guys can have a look where he, uh, he shows you what he's done with the, uh, the paper plates and the, uh, the, the tight partials. Um, so one thing that I would say Gaz, is I had a, it was a gun testing session, but because the gun just ran, um, it turned into a, a into a training session. Oh, what were you Tarek, personal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I did, I did a, a 300 round session, um, with cold rail gun and, uh, little bit of zeroing at, at the beginning. So we had eight, a couple of rounds and then I started shooting B8 at 25. Uh, now we're not going to talk about the, uh, the actual performance on a B8 at 25 being cold for that long. Uh, I will say that by my first round out the gun, cold at 25 was the best group I shot and it deteriorated from there. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't absolutely horrible. Um, but it, it was nowhere near the standard that I would prefer to shoot. Um, but what you said, Gaz, where if you look at it and you think, gee, that is difficult, that is small. Um, having not shot BH at 25 for like six months, I stuck that thing up, turned around, paced out 25, turned around and went, holy shit. That black dot in the middle is pretty bloody small. <laughs> I mean... It'll come back with a little bit of, little bit, little bit of training, but uh, yeah, you get that that like flash thought, like, where do I put the sights for that? Yeah, it's, it's seriously, Can it's I exactly that? that. It's like, it's like I turn around and I'm like, I'm going to burn this thing down. When I figure out where it is, because I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> where did it go? But that, that's quite interesting when you, when you set up your training sessions. Obviously, you have got to be careful if you try it cold. And you really feel bad about how your cold runs went. It might be a good idea to change what you're doing or at least adjust it to a point where it's not going to damage your confidence. Yep. Um, and that it's going to swing in uh, roundabouts. It's not going to be the same every time. Exactly. So after I hurt my feelings shooting a, a couple of sets, B8, I uh, changed gears a little bit and I shot the Gabe White food court standards. Um, now I shot it with two guns. I shot it with my Series 70 competition gun, um, not from a competition rig, but from an outside the waistband holster that sits quite close to the body. Um, and then I shot it with a Colt rail gun from a Fulster floodlight. And uh, doesn't count. It's an, well, it, it, it could count because the 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 food sort uh, the food court standard does make provision for shooting from outside the waistband. But um, I could consistently hit the times and the accuracy standard with the series 70 that I feel happy with. Um, I could run super fast splits with good accuracy out the railgun. My draws were absolute trash. So I failed all of the standards on time and they were all super long draws to first shot. And then it got burnt down. Um, I think we've between me and Terry, we've nailed that down to, um, the, the way that I have my X300 set up at the moment, it's sitting at a slight angle to the barrel uh, or to the frame of the gun. And I think that's binding it up a little bit coming out that holster. And that's messing up my draw 
and I'm fixing my grip before I start sending round. Um, mm. I need to fiddle with that and, and get that squared away. Um, mm. So very happy with the shooting performance. Very unhappy with, with presentation to first round. Okay, but if that's equipment, then that's, that should be a fairly simple thing to fix. Yeah, but it, it needs to get addressed and it needs to get fixed, especially if I, uh, if I want to ever shoot that gun out of a, out of a floodlight. Mm. T-Bag, you looked like you were going to say something. No. Trying to get the right distance from my... Ah. <laughs> so in Terex world, um, Terex has been fiddling with, uh, with B92s and B92 compacts. Terek, tell us about B92s and B92 compacts. <laughs> I love B92s. He's just leaving us hanging. Yeah, I've, I was, I've been messing around with, with an M9A3, which I'm trying to angle to buy. I, I have a, as we discussed in the last in last week's show, I have a massive soft spot for the night. Uh, and a mass- massive hard spot. Well, <laughs> like a pretty small hard spot, but... Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I enjoy it, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I must I yeah. must admit that's a cool gun when I when you let me have a look at that T. I, I've never held one before, and that's really a nice gun. Yeah, that's kind of sad. No, that those things are are epic. So uh, yeah, the the normal like the vertex style grip on them was really good, and I'm really not happy with how I shoot it. But if I put the bigger grip on, it is impressive how well that gun shoots. I'm desperately trying to work out like how much I need to rent my body out to buy like one of those LTT dot guns uh, mm. because a Beretta with a dot would it might just be too much goodness at one. Uh, it might like you know that blinding light might just permanent damage. Uh, it might just flick your trip switch, dude. Exactly. Mm. Uh, then I played with a, got to shoot just a, like a, a couple of runs like that, uh, with a 92 compact and that little gun, like really impressed me, you know, with, with the standard sights with the front, you know, the fixed front sight and the standard like 400 pound double action trigger, um, you know, the, the M9A3 has got a D spring. So the double action trigger is a little bit lighter the, the, the standard trigger spring is pretty heavy, but Shit, it's a nice little gun to shoot. I could, uh, I could definitely find uh, a home for one of them. Uh, so that was fun. Um, last week's match was my first match where I got to mess around with the the four hundred seven, the Holosun four hundred seven CO, uh, the HMIA ring, and it worked even better than I kind of hoped based on on sort of practicing with it and messing. Uh, that's that's a really really good setup. It's it's completely contrary to the uh, one MOA dot that lots of people seem to like, but re- accuracy on the longer shots was a- as good as I can expect, um, and it was just so easy to track, so easy to pick up, and so easy to ignore. Uh, it's quite important. So that was pretty cool. What else have you been playing with? Nine point three by. Oh, oh yes, man. good point. Well presented, Corn. So I uh, accidentally bought myself a CZ 550 and 9 points, uh, because I don't think that was an accident. Yeah, was I that a myself not to. It was a lovely. I love that gun. It fits me like it was made for me. It's beautiful, um, and the cartridges are just awesome. Uh, that's going to be my um, 
large animal thing. And it's actually, I was shocked at how easy it was to shoot because when you pick up that gun, it's light. I mean, I think it's lighter than my 7x64. It, it is a light, handy rifle. You know, it's not a particularly fat barrel and then it's got a big hole down the middle um, and you're shooting a, a 286 grain bullet at almost 2,400 feet per second, I think. Um, it's a stonker, but it's actually really cool to shoot. It's got like a, a push. Uh, it's it's not snappy. It kind of just like like that forty five push as opposed to the, the snap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like shooting a a forty five as opposed to like a three fifty seven sig, where you might have more recoil, but it just kind of slowly comes back and goes, "Hello, hello, look at me. I have a great big bullet, going pretty slowly." Uh, no, that's not. That's <laughs> um, I'm just going on a stuff. leisurely stroll. Yeah. <laughs> Straight through this hip lump. Um, yeah, so I'm super excited about that. That's fun. Um, oh, that's cool. So and it is a sexy cartridge. It is. It is very cool. And it's kind of a nice mix for my match to my 764, 7x64. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I need and some sort of small ball metric caliber. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find one that you love, T. <laughs> no. No corn. Nine by nine small box. <laughs> it's quite. It's actually. It's like almost as big as nine by nine three. Yes, but it's a lot shorter. I would call it small. <laughs> yes, I, I mean the the nine three bullet is about the I size know. of the nine mil cartridge. Playing with. Have you been doing any sort of practicing or anything, T? Okay. All my students listening, of course, I've been regularly practicing and dry firing like I tell you to. Um, dude, I think I've shot my shadow three times since the last Nationals, excluding the last match. Okay. I zeroed it when they cut it for the dot. I ran some stuff over a crony. And Friday before the match, I thought I better see how this thing works. So I shot 130 rounds through. Um, okay. I've been messing around with my carry guns and that a bit with my Glocks. Uh, but yeah, I, I need to come get practicing seriously. But you've been doing a lot of other interesting things that have intrigued you and and probably yeah. distracted you from things and that. So that's that's also that's really good. I like it. It was it was cuck to have a forced break, but I, I wouldn't want to have such a long break again. But I'm kind of seeing that whole off season. Of, it was it was also nice to have a break and play my Xbox and shoot my bolt guns and. You know, as opposed to that sort of must practice, must be focused all the time. So Constantly working. Exactly. And it seems to have done, you know, for me, it seems to have actually helped my, and I think I'm also, I'm keen to shoot that gun again. You know, it's, I'm kind of keen to play with my competition gear as opposed to, I, I must play with my computer. If that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. You feel like you want to, as opposed to you need to. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And then so, I'm trying to make the 1911 work. Told you I'll come and help you with that. Hopefully sometime next week. You can you can laugh and smile, T Bag. I'm smiling at that's just that was a smile of gratitude. It looks like hunger pains, dude. <laughs> no, I am grateful for your offer. I shall, he was accepting of the gesture. Yes, bitch. <laughs> no, that's that's interesting. So I, I sort of my routines in that have been going up and down and changing and that, which has also kept me interested. It's frustrated me, but I 
um, sort of normally scheduling in like regular short breaks into my training stuff and matches and that sort of stuff. Do you see yourself having gone through this experience, possibly looking at scheduling dedicated breaks for yourself in the future? Not six months long, but other dedicated breaks away from the the normal grind of of practicing and being serious about it. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think definitely. I think uh, I'm I'm not too sure how. Uh, you know, the one option is kind of the, you know, with, with December when all the matches sort of stop, put the gun down or sort of take a break in hunting season or something like that. That just might, in, you know, there might be some matches in there. Um, mm. or, or, you know, I'm just going to see how that sort of interacts with nationals going forward. But yeah, I, I definitely think it's worth having a little bit of a break mm. and, you know, cutting, kind of putting some of the fun back into it and putting some of the the sort of desire back into it. You know what? As you know, I love shotgun. And, and I think one of the things that kind of keeps shotgun as interesting is that there, there's, there's, less, there's less matches, sadly. Uh, so you, 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 there's a little bit more of that, something to look forward to. Uh, because there's a shotgun match coming out of the thing, as opposed to, you know, there's three pistol matches this weekend. I suppose I'll go shoot one. So, yeah. And you, guys? Yeah, I, I've i pretty much over the last year worked with scheduling short breaks in. And funnily enough, they typically happen straight after nationals. I'll have like a two-week break from it. And that sort of brings that hunger back into it. And what you're describing is I think when you're away from the practicing and being in that grind, you start thinking about the shooting again, which then develops your hunger. And you start actually analyzing your shooting without being detrimental to yourself. And when you analyze it, it makes you hungry to want to improve that, which I think helps with the breaks. You just got to be careful with how long your breaks are and when you schedule them. If you schedule them, you must take the break then. And when your break is supposed to end, then you start again. Otherwise, it could be very difficult to keep that rolling. Yeah, maybe what I'll do is I'll I'll look at taking like four or six in sort of peak hunting season. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean with the amount of matches in that that we have available, it's it's not really the end of the world if you miss a couple of matches, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, as long as it doesn't interfere with like a national season. Yeah, say yeah. One of the things that makes it a little bit difficult is the the fact that there are so many um, handgun nationals a year. Um, they're they're relatively well spaced, but you. You're you're forced into a training uh, schedule for those if you you're planning on on doing well on national standings um, for for handgun. I mean, there's there's less of of the other disciplines. Um, and you know that that whole there isn't enough shotgun matches, so this is my one. I've got to make it count. I think really helps with motivation uh, and and the desire to do it, as opposed to, like you said, you can. When it's not in pre-rona times, you could find pretty much a pistol match every weekend, and most weekends you could find one both days of the weekend. Um, spoiled for choice. Yeah, yeah I mean, and a couple of years back, I think I was shooting on average six pistol matches a month. Um, and I mean, it's not like we have weekday matches really. That was just you know, sort of. Golden City club shoots and lean and that sort of thing. Uh, and it's I mean, quite often I shoot the same match Saturday and Sunday. Uh, mm. But I think, and I also, think yeah. 
No, I was just going to jump back to Kone's national comments. I think that's a good point is because we have so many nationals, it's actually difficult to schedule a break properly because you have to keep, you basically roll from one nationals into another and then it's the end of the year. And that's, I think, typically where most of our shooters take the break is over that December period and then they get back into that rolling practice for the nationals for the next year. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're forced into a, into a training schedule. I mean, the matches are, are spaced pretty far apart, but to be prepared for them, you're forced to shoot a lot of lead-up matches to that and do a lot of training leading up to those. And that takes time. Like there's, There isn't really a good time of the year to take a break other than December. Mm. Well, this year there was a good time of the year. Well, it wasn't <laughs> a good time of the year. It was a forced time of the year where we all took a break from matches. Yeah, but, but the only reason that really worked, I mean, like the work just like really exaggerated here but it's you didn't miss out on match performance because there wasn't any yeah so yeah, that's the challenge you know with 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 sort of log positions and that being based on nationals and that um it makes it you, you dare it this way uh, even if there aren't selection matches you don't really want to miss any and uh, you know have to kind of start over again mm. yep yeah so that's going to take some some careful juggling from from guys who are considering doing that I think at the moment, correct me if I'm wrong, we've only got the possibility of one more Nationals this year. Yeah, uh, Boylan's been cancelled. So it just depends on whether NG happens. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and the PCC yeah. match has been cancelled too, right? All, all the other yeah. disciplines have been canned. Yeah. So it's just the NG match, which I think is scheduled for December. I don't even know. Which is, I think, going to interfere yeah, I mean, if, if we're still limited to the number of people who can go, uh, that's going to be a challenge, you know. That's because, I, I mean, at the moment, it's what? It's 50 people? Yeah. You can have nationals with 50 people. So there's talk about um, lockdown gets level one, but we don't know what that is, you know. Like level three had various sort of stages of silliness. So, you know, maybe level one, we go back to level five, except they hit us with sticks. Um <laughs> Sounds optimistic. <laughs> yeah, we, at this point, we just we really don't know what's going to happen. Um, and level one could be much the same where we still can't have more than 50 people in, in a mm -hmm. gathering. You know, and if you look at a nationals from a real, realistic perspective, normally the match officials, um, range maintenance, and, and those caterers and those kinds of things are going to take up more than 50 spaces on a range um, quite bro. easily. And you know, even if they can have 100 competitors, how, what do you do? You know, do you... You know, do you, do you choose it from the top of the log, which kind of like screws up incoming guys? Um, and you know, like the sport's not just about the top of the log. How do you decide that? Yeah, it's it's not an easy one for sure. Also, I I don't know if you can get. I mean, the if you're taking the top ten in each division, that's fifty fold up. Yeah, done. And that's that's without taking the 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 the. Uh, not the classes, the uh, other classes, um, the, the the ladies, the juniors, uh, class, uh, and categories. Categories. Yeah. There we go. It's without taking the ladies and the juniors and the seniors and super seniors, any of that into account. You you'll have across old people, really old people, chicks, people. Uh, well, <laughs> across five divisions, you, you're filling up the spots, and then yeah, like you're just shuffling around the top ten. <laughs> There's no point to that. 
Yeah, we're going to have to wait and see what comes of, of the, the lockdown and if that match can be reasonably hosted. Um, we'll have yeah. to see. And then exactly. the other thing is, is, is how many guys are actually prepared to kind of shoot at nationals. Uh, you know, if there is one, I'll shoot it. But uh, I don't know how many guys are going to be, um, I, I don't, you know, like a normal national. Yeah, that's, I, that's, that's something else in mind is um, how many people have been severely financially impacted by this mm-hmm. lockdown and COVID and how many other people have yet to be financially impacted by it. And never mind that, there's also other factors like work environments changing where the guys are going to have to work longer hours. Uh, maybe they have to now start working over weekends. They can, maybe some people have to work short time. And that also is not a good thing because your pay gets docked, you know. So there's all of those different variables and factors that we don't know yet. We don't know how many people are going to be able to rock up to a nationals. Yeah, there's there's yeah. another side to that too, not just the, the finances, but well, sort of finances. If you've got a 5,000 round, round training budget to prepare for your nationals um, and you go and spend your 5,000 rounds training for a nationals, it doesn't happen. <laughs> That's yeah. not great. Um, but the other side of that is, do you go, um, well, I'm not going to spend my entire training sort of hmm. preparation for a match that I'm not sure that's going to happen. And then it does happen and you're screwed because wow. you're underprepared. It's the, the uncertainty is, is a massive problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a good point. Challenges. How many ROs have got enough leave left to take the time off? Um, mm. a, I mean, I, I'd, I'd really love to, for it to happen. Uh, I'm nervous, I think, is probably to describe it. Yeah, and it's because none of us know what's going to happen and the variables involved. One so, step at uh, a time. <clears throat> Shall we get ourselves off of that uh, depressing topic? Yes. yes. And uh, move on to, to uh, today's activities. Yes. So, T-Bag, what happened today? Uh, I had pizza. Firstly, I'm here. Did it have did pineapple have, on? Did you have some I beer? I didn't have pineapple on, though. Did you have really? I had some beer. I had some tea. It was lovely tea in my Glock 44, mate. Uh, all 500 I, mils, eh? All 500 mils of tea. I had some Five tea Rose too. Africa blend, if you were wondering. Yeah, I, I had some tea too. I had I had tealing, single malt, <laughs> single batch, rum cask finished. <laughs> <laughs> Special tea. I had Nescafe Classic. There we go. <laughs> We run the gamut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what happened today, T-Bag? What else happened today, T-Bag? I got up. I had breakfast. I got oh. stuck in traffic. He did get stuck <laughs> in traffic. Because do you know why? Because he ignored ways. Yeah. And then the highway was closed. And then you paid and for The it. highway was like weirdly closed on the way home today as well. Yeah. And it just like. It it was closed and then it wasn't. Yeah, it was closed <laughs> like, and then it unclosed. It was weird. That is odd. Was it the N1? Uh, N3. Yeah, N3. <clears throat> Don't know what to say. Right. The entire highway came to stop. We sat still for five minutes and then it happened. Oh, nice. Yep, like weird. After my day of drinking tea. <laughs> Before your day of drinking tea because you didn't drink tea when... Okay, so T's not going to say it because <laughs> hell knows why. Um, we had a handgun fundamentals course today uh, hosted by Terry of Big T's training. Uh, 
we had a reasonably good turnout um, given the Rona. Good day of training, T. Wouldn't yeah, you say? nice bunch of guys. Hard working and uh, like solid, solid shooting. I was, uh, and it's good fun. It's nice to be teaching again. Yeah, the 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 average standard of shooting for a fundamentals class was pretty damn impressive. Um, and I was very grateful for Kone assisting us. Yeah, what, what if it really showed. <laughs> <laughs> I hardly swore at you today. Well, hardly is the the, the, the key phrase there. I mean, if hardly. I didn't swear at you, you'd feel like I didn't care. Exactly. I would. I would definitely feel like something's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> definitely seen more dot guns and more courses, which um, and this was the first course I can remember in a very very long time where I think there was only one Glock nineteen. Wow. It was almost all Glocks, but there were more 26s. It was, a, you know, it was peculiar. A couple of 17s, 21. Mm. Ooh, a 21. Mm. With a dot. It was very cool. With a dot. I can like me a Glock 21. Yeah, I do like the big boy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. It was nice. Lots of, yeah, nice to see people making an effort. And the guys worked hard. So it was good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, That's good, and I and I today. and I think the the nice thing when you're teaching T is probably that rewarding feeling when the guys are putting in the effort and they're sort of seeing what you're trying to teach them, uh, and it's coming through for them. Oh, yeah, you know, it's it's really great when you get people who are asking questions, sort of actively listening, and and the group are really good like that. Uh, oh, that's uh, nice. Uh, I mean, it's the first time I've been able to run one of these in a very very long time. So advertised in, in a different place to where I used to advertise last year and, and previous and seemed to work pretty well and seemed to get us uh, a nice, you know, like, a nice mix of people. So we'll see. What oh, that's good. That's good. <clears throat> so something that stood out in the class for me um, is people struggled with firearm manipulations um, and I'm going to, like clarify that specifically trying to lock slides open. Um, there seemed to be a, a great deal of difficulty from some people to be able to just perform that, that action. Uh, for some, it was just a technique problem for others. It was physical strength. Um, we seemed to work through that and get everyone to a point where they had by the end of the class, they, they could all do it. Um, but that really stood out as, as something that was interesting. Um, and I thought, I think most of that was on on little guns, so heavily sprung guns. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's it's quite a common thing. Uh, little courses, I think, uh, some of the confidence instructors are not spending enough time on stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, the smaller guns, there's less to hang on to, uh, and and as you say, they're generally quite they need more heavily sprung as well. So it's that swings and roundabouts thing of you know people get the little gun because it's easy to carry. But it can be it can be more challenging to. But they all got it in the end. Yeah, no, they all did. They really did. Yeah, no major gun issues spotted. Uh, Just uh, <laughs> there were some minor ammo issues in the class. If yes, you're listening, Steve, fix your reload, Steve. Uh, but aside from that, and that was definitely an ammo thing. Aside from that, the guns ran. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, there was no issues. Was good. That's also that's also a nice thing when when the guys who are participating in the class don't have equipment issues because that number one slows down the momentum you have in in what you can offer teaching T, and it also slows down all the other students who are now they sort of retarded throughout the day in that class because of someone else's equipment issues, which is, uh, which is it's it's like a double edged sword. It it damages what you're trying to teach in the class. And it damages what the other students are going to get out of the class. So one of the things I learned from going to classes is how important it is to make sure that my equipment's working when I'm going to go to a class. Yeah, it's, frust- it's frustrating as a student having to fight your gear. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you know it's, it's something I did notice that, that actually occurred to me now is, is one of the guys had a, a Pilex inside the waistband holster from, from a solid manufacturer who makes good gear. And for some reason, the way that was set up for his particular gun, it was almost impossible for him to get a three-finger grip on the gun to draw it. And that's that's concerning. You know, that's it's kind of peculiar how that how that happened. Uh, and then sadly, a couple of guys with um, super-style holsters, which uh, yeah. So on the flip side to what I've just said as well as for a lot of the students, I think it's important that when they go to these classes that they go through those learning curves, like you talking us through that holster thing now. And there's other things that they don't know that weren't working before they went to the class and the class sort of pointed that out for them. So it's like, it's a scale that needs to be in balance (laughs) for everybody. Classes are a good place to test gear. Um, It's like matches. Uh, You know, they're good places to test gear because you're kind of using it a little bit harder than you would on a normal practice session. Um, we did get, and I have a picture of it, the most impressive melon I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was a, it was a deliberately set up, you know, it was a, it was in a, a, a block of malfunctions. And we had uh, the way the guy had loaded his, his mates um, mag with empty cases and that it, it had a bit of a Brazos thing with three, three rounds trying to get into a chamber at once. I've never seen it in my life before. It was very, very impressive. Uh, that, that does sound impressive. A triple feed. Yeah. Uh, nice. What is the official <laughs> technique for clearing a triple feed? Um, yeah, lock, rip, rack, r- reload. Okay, so so it's it's a double feed clearance and it works um, on triple feeds. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seemed to work. It it was a. I'll I'll share a picture with you guys and I'll put a photo up on the on the group, uh, on, on on the Facebook page. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was quite impressive. It it it, it kind of came from, I think, someone stacking two empty cases in a mag on top of each other, uh, and then the shooter not getting the one cleared out and another one trying to feed. Uh, yeah, I, I I actually I I cannot fathom quite how it happened but it was that is spectacular and it's probably once in a lifetime too yeah <laughs> so that that's actually also an interesting fact last year when we were on a course together we were also doing a type of like malfunction test or, or skill set thing and one thing that i learned that was quite interesting is when you put empty casings in my in my mags for my glock 45 uh, 35 it typically feeds an empty casing into the chamber which is really cool. I, yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah, you, you just got clicks. Everyone else had like horrible malfunctions. You just got clicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
No, but if he can if he can try and feed three at the same time, that's definitely more impressive. That so is. that shooter is like the second time he's ever shot a pistol in his life, and he shot bloody well. Uh, yeah, he did impressively well. Like, and Dutch it was with a dot. With a dot. Like nice. Uh, yeah, I just like watching a. It was also like, like watching a, a totally inexperienced shooter. How quickly and easily that they he could. I mean, he was a bright dude, but. Uh, how quickly and easily he could kind of fathom the dot was just yeah, he had he had nothing to unlearn or fight yeah. picked up mm. the gun put the dot in the bit you want to die and pull the trigger it, was, uh, it worked really really well for him um, uh-huh. and then the guys with, with the hollow sons um, were playing around they both had 507s and, and both of them were playing around with um, just the 32 MA ring without the dot and they shot lights out like it was very very impressive yeah oh that's nice everyone improved over their their first rounds of the day to the end of the day except for the two dot shooters uh, the 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 two other dot shooters who were just punching egg strings all day um they they'd obviously put in a little bit of time leading up to this and uh solid shooting impressive that was mm. good. And as I say, that was without the dot, just the ring. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's an experiment for the future uh, mm. to mess around with. I might need to get a 507k. Nice. nice. Well, that's good. I mean, that sounds like a successful day for everybody. You know, you got the rewards of, of the teaching and they got the rewards of your teaching. So that's that really good. Fun. And and they they were determined and they put the effort in, which is nice. That's really, really good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it was rewarding. Yeah, it was a good day. It was nice. And I got to play Miley Cyrus with them. Very loud. Yeah. Of course, some consternation. There, there were some heads turning when Tarek showed up with his, uh, with his Miley blaring. Um, <laughs> he's a big dude and he doesn't drive a big car and he's playing Miley Cyrus. Like, it, it just, it's peculiar <laughs> for people who don't see him driving around all the time playing Miley Cyrus. So what you're saying, Corn, is that that could have been an excellent meme. Yeah, I should have recorded it, um, but I was too busy staring. <laughs> Not a Tarek, and all the other people who are going, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> that, I think people were expecting like five finger death punch or Metallica layer or something, mm. and what they got was party in the USA. <laughs> They're very lucky I hadn't gotten to the Collie Red Jepsen yet. <laughs> How close were we to that? Were we like one song off, five songs off? Dude, you were about 45 seconds off. That was the next song. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think I did listen to that song like three times on the way to the rain. I have to get my, I have to get my head right to tea. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I, I listened it. to podcasts on the way to, to the range this morning. So. <laughs> I, I listen to I, I, I listen to podcasts when I drive ninety five percent of the time, but when I when I'm when I'm going to teach, I, I need a little bit of music to, kind of to get my to get my big T on and get my head right. Uh, and this morning it was Miley Cyrus and uh, a very cool cover of uh, Pumped Up Kicks. So we had some oh, like, cool. hard a hardcore industrial cover of Pumped Up Kicks and. <laughs> Sounds like a good balance. Uh, I, I do that same thing when I'm going to go shoot a match. Um, I'm not playing pop music when I'm going to shoot matches, but it's, it's, it's music on the way to, to matches. Um, 
pretty much everywhere else it's it's sometimes it's music sometimes it's podcast but two matches there's a there's a lot of sabaton happening <laughs> like the great war is blaring when i get to the range well today is the winter sars day yep. i mean it won't be by the time you listen to this show but you can still listen to the song in fact exactly. you recommend it yeah you should <laughs> i have <laughs> This time last year, I was in Serbia listening to Winged Hussars on repeat, entire drive, Nikki and I, from the hotel to the range. It was epic. Then and how long was the drive? European handgun champs. It was like 30 minutes. Um, ah. Then we shot European handgun champs, and then we went and ate roast pork. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is awesome. Now that sounds like a I do perfect day. That was spectacular. I think it was the last mm. day as well of the match. Nice. And you had, you had a nice match there, T. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that match. It was probably, it may have actually been the best match I've ever shot. It's kind of like the, the, the Russia match was amazing. It was a spectacular match. European Hangin' Chaps, I really liked the stages. Look, did amazing stages. And the guys did. did. Awesome. No, that sounded like a good experience, that. We had lots of cool food. Mm. <laughs> what have we not covered what should we touch on because gas is probably getting close to like battery failing yeah i am uh, i i am getting close on battery failing not on my laptop on my battery yeah <laughs> look i've used I a think lot we've, of words today i think we've covered a lot of things and i think it was a nice fun episode yeah it was a fun episode um, T-Bag really was on form today with the uh, Oh, smash! <laughs> <laughs> Every time he did that, uh, there was a certain female shooter on the range who looked at me and was just like <laughs> We'll remain nameless <laughs> Hi, Annika <laughs> Or not <laughs> Oh <laughs> 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 there was a lot of mongo today yeah there was a lot of mongos I, I found these boxing gloves i want desperately but they cost like a million rand and it's marvel hulk boxing gloves and it kind of the glove looks like there's bits ripped away kind of like classic hulk with hulk <laughs> hands showing through mm. oh, that oh that's cool. pretty cool dude that is awesome worth the investment t i think you should yeah it's 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 a lot of money and then it's leather so the duties yeah. are brutal so yes. like, i could buy nice. a pretty nice gun for what those are going to cost no buy, buy a pretty nice gun well <laughs> i mean like a like a plastic beetle bomb or or, uh, or or lots of ammo oh probably shouldn't say that on the podcast yeah that i should probably cut it <laughs> i mean i should probably cut it out but it's going to be so close to the end i'll probably forget <laughs> no one's the end of the shit anyway. <laughs> what did Max say today? It seems to deteriorate as the show goes on. <laughs> he did say that, and he is correct. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the editing just. I think Cornet runs out of give a fuck for the editing, so he leaves. Oh yeah, no, he does. Right towards the end, he's just like that. Screw it. <laughs> <laughs> the the. the other than the the two shooters who I knew who showed up early this morning, the first dude to walk up to me was like, are you Cornet? 
like, yes. He's like, fun deal. I'm like, yes. He goes, nice to meet you. I listened to your podcast. And you're like, oh God. <laughs> Why? I mean, I suppose we give, better give a shout out to Clive who appreciates who his favorite podcast is. You gave him a shout out last week. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to cut them out from now on because Clive is wrong. <laughs> his favorite <laughs> podcaster in the world. Somehow, Tarek. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, like... I had like someone at dinner say they were listening to they listen to the podcast. I was quite on Friday night. I was quite surprised. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but response it was my normal response. I don't. Um, <laughs> I enjoy your podcast. But, I don't. I think it's shit. <laughs> at least other people are listening to it, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Keep 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 listening, please, people. Uh, we we need the numbers. This is how at we least just get. Download it. This this is how we get. Well, no, no. Please listen to the first couple of minutes if you can. Because uh, this is how we fill classes now. <laughs> oh, yes. listen just, to the listen, just listen to the first five minutes so that you hear the, uh, the, the course announcements and then like, yeah. what you do beyond that, your sort of prerogative. I mean, if you're listening this deep, you're like either like one of our moms or... Uh, you can't you know, find like the a, stop button. Or yeah, you're a real fan of the show. Or you, you, you kind of got drunk and can't like reach the controls. Um, in which case... Hi. <laughs> I think that's enough shit for one night, gentlemen. All right. Shall we, shall we wrap this one up? Yeah. Which brings us to thanking everybody for their support. Uh, we really have appreciated it. And we hope that you're enjoying the content that we're releasing. If you are, give us the feedback. Um, as you know, we release the Q&A episodes as well. Please feel free to pop us a question. We'll cover it in another shorter episode for you. And as always, please give us a minimum of a five-star rating that will secure your spot. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Later, losers. <laughs>